Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for new songs that uh, Joe and his team can teach us. And thank you, God, that whether we've heard it before or whether we even like it or not, we know that songs are supposed to be about the holy God. Songs are supposed to be about our hearts crying out to you. And so, Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you for Sunday mornings, God. We especially thank you for this Sunday where it is a sunny day, and we can't wait to, to, to get out of here and have lunch and enjoy this weather. But, Father, it's a priority to the people of God to be here first. And so we're here to worship you, and we look to your word, and we pray, Father, that you would teach us now. We do confess that, that all that we just sang, God, is, is true. We need you. We don't think we're good enough on our own. We know that we need help. We know that you're the answer. So God, make all of that come true inside of us with our lives, with our hearts, with our uh, repentance and forgiveness through Jesus, that we would look to you as Lord. And we thank you, God. We ask your blessing on our time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. It's page 981. If you didn't bring a Bible, use the pew Bible there. The Black Bible, page 981, John chapter 5. Last week, we, we started, since we're in between books, we started a series that we're going to do, a three-part series on light and dark in the Scriptures. And last week, we looked at John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that says, Jesus in him is life, and the life is the light of the world. So Jesus, who is life, right? He's what life is all about. Life will not make sense ultimately until we come to know Jesus. But then it, it goes over and, and starts to call him light. In the very next verse, it says, the light, that's Jesus, shines in the darkness, that is our uh, fallen world, that is our sinful hearts. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. And what God is doing there is using an analogy or a metaphor or whatever to get us to understand what God does, okay? God is like light in the darkness, which is like us, right? And it is true that the darkness cannot handle the light. The light is so strong, it overcomes the dark. It's awesome to think of God in that way. And I do pray and have been praying that you know that in your life, that you know that in your heart, that the darkness of your life, regardless of how dark it is, that the darkness of your life is being overcome by the light of God, by the light of Jesus. I ended last week by saying that that means that, that Jesus is the source of all light. And I hope that you have the source in your life. He is the source of light in us. Well, that's um, a little bit easier to understand on paper or when reading it. And so I think we need a really good practical example. We're going to look at one today. Because the Bible does say that Jesus is the light of the world. That's John 8, 12. You saw that last week. It says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. If you're here today and you feel like you are walking in the dark, please hear me that Jesus says, come to him. Jesus says, turn to him. Jesus says, follow him, ask him for the forgiveness of sins, Trust him that he will wash away all your sins. Do not hear today that God says, do better. Do not hear today that God says, be good enough. That's not his message. His message is follow Jesus, who is the light, who is brighter than your darkness. And he will overcome it. He will. 
Whoever follows me, Jesus says, will have light and will not walk in darkness. That's John chapter 8, verse 12. But there's another passage in Scripture, Matthew 5, 14, where he's talking to the disciples and he says, you are the light of the world, which causes us to say, well, how can I be dark and light? And that's what we talked about last week, that when you get Jesus, when Jesus comes to live inside of you, when your life is made new and you're born again and you're a new creation and you become a Christian and you're following Jesus, that that light of the world, Jesus, now comes to live inside of you and you start to be light only because you have the source. And so today I want to say, well, what's a good example of that? We're going to look here at John chapter 5 at this man we have in the Bible, John, John the Baptist. But I want to also remind you that it's very fitting that just Friday we saw Billy Graham laid to rest. 99 years old, he was born in 1918. Every single one of my sons said, well, if he was born in 1918 and he died in 2018, why wasn't he 100? He was 99, he hadn't had his birthday yet, right? But Billy Graham passed away. You may like him or you may not like him, but everybody here knows that Billy Graham was about Jesus. And you may not like that, you may not like the way he preached or how he handled certain things or, or whatever, but there is no debating what he was about or what he did. And he was about Jesus. And I want to show you here from God's Word that the light in the world is people who are about Jesus. It's kind of been shaved off and, and distorted a little bit. You know, you, you, you change something just a little bit and it thinks, okay, no big deal. And then you change it just a little bit more and you think, no big deal. But eventually, as that change turns just a little bit, 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 eventually, way down the road, it's changed a lot. And we've gotten to where so many people or church people or Christian people or good people or whatever are starting to equate being the light of the world with being good people and doing good works. And today I want to kind of go against that. And I want to show you that being the light of the world is being about Jesus. It's having the source Jesus come out of you. And I want you to see that there's a world full of good works that are not really helping anything ultimately. So what's a good example of this? Look with me at John chapter 5, verse 35, one verse. We have in here, and I, I gave a devotional on this just recently. We have here in this verse one of the great compliments in all of Scripture. I hope you like compliments. I hope you can remember when somebody's given you a good compliment. I hope you like to give compliments. I hope you know that there is, there is strength and life change, really, life impact. There's encouragement when somebody gives you a good compliment here we have Jesus giving a compliment about this one John the Baptist. Now, let me say something real quick. We're not real big on John the Baptist because this is a Baptist church or we have Baptist beliefs or what, what, whatever. The, the reason why they call him John the Baptist is because he baptized people. You could just call him John the Baptizer or something like that. 
Uh, let's don't get caught up in him being John the Baptist. In John, there are two Johns, and that's why we qualify one with calling him John the Baptist. All right? Don't, don't get wrapped up in that. There's the Apostle John. He wrote John. And then there's John the Baptist, who was the one that baptized people. Okay? It doesn't mean that he went to a Southern Baptist church. All right? Two Johns, so which is which? Okay, John the Baptist. John the Apostle and John the Baptist, all right? That's who Jesus is talking about here. Verse 35, Jesus says, He was a burning and shining lamp. What a statement. I'm preaching to you all three weeks on the light in the dark. And here we have in this little passage a half of a verse where Jesus calls a person a burning and shining lamp. You ever seen somebody that was doing good in a, in a school or doing good at their workplace and you said, man, he's just, a, he's just a bright light around here. That's what Jesus is saying about John the Baptist. But he's not just saying that he's a light. I preached a retreat some time ago, and every time you do a youth event, they give out T-shirts to everybody. And, and at that event, the theme was, be the light. And so everybody got a shirt, and it had a big light bulb on it. And it had a verse from John chapter 1, and it said, be the light. We know what it means to, to be the light, to bring the goodness or positivity or just make things better, make the situation better. And this is what Jesus is saying about John the Baptist, but he's not just saying that he's a lamp. He puts some adjectives there, some, some describers on this lamp. He is a burning lamp and a shining lamp. He's an effective lamp. He's a lamp that you notice. He's a lamp that you see. He's a lamp that's making a difference. I'm sure that the power has gone out at your house before and you've lit a candle or grabbed a flashlight and it seemed to solve the problem. The Bible is teaching us that God works through people to do this same thing in the world. There is light in the world, and it comes through people. It comes through Jesus in people, Jesus working in people. The light of the world lives inside of the people of the world and makes the people of the world the light of the world through the light of the world. You can be, be the light of the world when you have the light of the world. That sounds confusing, but the Bible says that. Jesus is the light of the world. You can be the light of the world. When the source is in you, then you are the light of the world. John the Baptist here, described more than, than anybody else, is described as a burning and shining lamp. Well, who was this John the Baptist? It's a fascinating study. On one hand, there's quite a bit that you can learn about John the Baptist, but on the other, there's not a lot. We know that he was Jesus' cousin. We know that he came about six months before Jesus. He was born, right? The Bible tells us that his mom got pregnant just right before Jesus' mom got pregnant, and we get to follow both of their pregnancies until they're both born. We know that. John the Baptist is the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophet. The Bible tells us that when John the Baptist came on the scene, this is early in the Gospels, you have, the, you have John the Baptist saying, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. In other words, people get ready, the Savior's finally coming. You don't have to look too far and, and deal with too many people to learn that our world is a broken world, right? The Bible can call it darkness in some places, and it can call it broken in some places, but there are a lot of broken people in our world, and we're all looking for an answer or for a solution, and there's a million different thoughts on that. But, but, but one of the good answers, which is the true answer, 
is that there is a Savior that will save us from all of this. One of the great answers, which is the only answer, is that it may not get fixed here. It may not get better here, but it will certainly be better there in heaven. And that is an answer, folks, that I hope that you have embraced. That you've realized, you know what? I may not ever have it every way that I want it. I may never be all that I wanted to be. I may never be able to overcome the flaws and insecurities that I have, but that's okay because one day I will be in heaven and I will live there forever with my Father in heaven. John the Baptist came saying, you need to get ready. The Savior of the world is coming. You need to get ready. The Savior of the world is coming. And that's, that's what he said. Well, as he was doing that, he caught everybody off guard because he was such a, such a, a weirdo or an oddball. And I'm sure you've heard all this before, but the Bible tells us that John the Baptist had come out of the wilderness. Nobody had really known him. Nobody had seen him. And so when he came out of the wilderness preaching this prophetic voice, hey, guys, you religious people need to wake up. I'm telling you, the Savior's finally coming. You better get ready the Bible says he had this long hair and long beard and he had wrapped himself up not in clothes but in camel's fur and he was eating locusts and honey. He was eating insects, if you will. And everybody was kind of taken off by him like, what is this? Who is this? What's going on? And yet he was preaching Jesus. He was preaching, get ready. He was preaching, you need to repent. You need to seek the Lord. You need to be forgiven of your sins. And that's what he was preaching. And as people listened to him, as people believed him, now I know that it sounds crazy that you might tell somebody that they're wrong and they need God, but listen, y'all, God uses that. I know there are a lot of people today that if they hear they're wrong and they need to turn to God, they're going to stick their chest out and say, get on out of here with that message. There are a lot of people that react that way. But listen, folks, be encouraged here today. There are a lot of people, I hope like you and like me, who hear that message and think, praise God, that he loves me despite me. He loves me even though I'm a sinner. He loves me and will forgive me, and he accepts me based off the forgiveness that is found through his son. So when John the Baptist would preach to people, hey, you're wrong, hey, you're wrong, hey, you need to get right, hey, you need to stop doing that, hey, you need to turn to the Lord, hey, you need to seek the Lord, hey, you need to be forgiven. As John the Baptist was preaching that to everybody, some people would come and say, you're exactly right. I need to be forgiven of my sins. Can I be baptized? And John the Baptist was baptizing people. That's why he got his name. And he was baptizing people. It's awesome. We have one passage, listen to this, where King Herod has a wife and is sleeping with somebody else. Can you imagine? Has a wife and is sleeping with somebody else. And John the Baptist goes to the king and says, King, it's not lawful under God for you to be doing that. You've got a woman. You're wrong. The king had his head cut off. And the burning and shining lamp was decapitated. He was bright. He was burning and shining. 
He was a lamp. He was the light of the world. Because Jesus, the light of the world, was in him. That's John the Baptist. So I want us here today to say to ourselves, if there are people, at least we know one, who are a bright, burning, shining lamp, a light in this dark world, if there are people, then what are they like? What define them? What were their characters? What were their movements? What, what was their life like? And I want to be like that too. I hope and pray that you and I would be a light in this world. And I want you to, to, to hear today, like I said at the beginning, that, that don't be so big on patting yourself on the back for, for all of your good works. I want us to be a little bit more like John the Baptist and a little bit less like ourselves. Burning and shining lamp. What was it about him that would make Jesus say this? What was it about him that made him burn, that made him shine, that made him a light? Well, first thing, and this is what Garth read here at the beginning, turn over just a few pages to chapter 1, and look what it says in verse 8, just to set the record straight. John chapter 1, verse 8, makes it very clear he was not the light. Does everybody see that? Well, if he was not the light, then why in the world would Jesus call him a burning and shining light? And this right here is at the very crux of what I'm wanting you to get today, that I'm praying that the Scriptures would grip your heart on. The Bible in the Gospel of John begins making it crystal clear this John is not the light. He was not the light. But verse 8 says he came to bear witness about the light. And to the extent that he was pointing at Jesus, speaking of Jesus, living for Jesus, drawing people to Jesus, pointing you to Jesus, getting your attention to go to Jesus, in that sense, he was a light. He was bright. He was burning and he was shining. And this is at the very point of what I'm wanting you to get today. That being a light in the world is getting people's attention on Jesus. Let me say that again. Being a light in the world is getting people's attention on Jesus. So are good works light of the world? Yes, they are. If they are in the context of Jesus is doing this. If you hold a door from some, for some lady at the hospital... And she doesn't know that it's about Jesus. That's a good work. But I don't necessarily know it's light in the world. Doesn't necessarily do anything for Jesus. It reminds me. I told you all this story before several years ago. But I'll tell it again. Me and Mr. John Law were doing a hospital visit several years ago. Over here at St. Mary's. And we were coming out of the hospital. And I saw a little old lady over there trying to get out. And she had several boxes with her. And as we were walking out. It might have been a rainy day. She looks to us. And she says, excuse me young man. Are you guys Boy Scouts? I said, no, ma'am, we're not. She said, oh, shucks. I said, why you ask? She said, I can't get these boxes out to my car. I was thinking if you guys are Boy Scouts, y'all would probably help me. I said, ma'am, we're not Boy Scouts. But we are followers of Jesus. We'll gladly take those boxes to your car. And we did. When a good is, is taking a box to a car for an old lady a good work? Yeah. Is that light in the world? I don't know. But when it's in the context of Jesus reigning in our hearts, 
that he is the light of the world, and so the light of the world is seen, then that is light in the world. And I think this is crystal clear what Jesus is pointing out to us through John the Baptist. John 1.8 says, he was not the light. John 5.35 says, he was a burning light. What made him so bright? How much he was focused on Jesus. How much you could not, listen, you could not be around John the Baptist, deal with John. You couldn't stand John the Baptist if you didn't like Jesus because it was so much about Jesus. And so in that sense, he was a light. You know what I'm afraid of? That I've got friends that are going to pass away that didn't even know I followed Jesus. That I've got kids I coach that I'll never see again that don't know about Jesus. I've got parents that I text three or four times a week because I coach their kids and we interact and they talk to me about this and talk to me about that. Hey, man, we're not going to make practice tonight. The car broke down. Life's just hard. Hey, I'm a single parent. Sorry we haven't been making practice. Hey, man, the kids are sick. I'm sorry about that. Hey, we're doing pretty good. Can we bring some Gatorades? I'm having all of this talk, but they don't know Jesus. And what's going to happen when my life ends or their life ends and nothing ever happens there? Because having a friendly neighbor or something like that doesn't get people to worship God. Jesus does. Jesus does. And life's about Jesus. Peter, James, the Apostle John, were all awesome people in the Bible. Jesus didn't compliment them and say, you're a burning and shining lamp. Now, I think we could say that they were. But he didn't. He compliments John the Baptist that he was a burning and shining lamp. And that causes me and you to say, okay, what was it about this guy? And so I want to give you today two simple points. I'm just going to have you turn a few pages. What was it about John the Baptist? And I hope today you will be gripped by this same conviction. Number one, he was not focused on him He wasn't asking, why can't I get more playing time? He wasn't asking, why can't I ever do anything? He wasn't asking, what about me? What about me? What about me? He wasn't asking, you never take me out to lunch. He wasn't asking those type of questions. He wasn't even thinking about himself. I know you've heard this quote before, but let me tell it to you a million times. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. If you're telling yourself every day, well, I'm not that good, I'm not that tall, I'm not that smart, I'm not that good looking, I'm not that funny, I'm not that likable, I'm not, and all you're doing is thinking about yourself, you're not humble. You're obsessed with you. I'm serious. You're obsessed with you. And if it's all negative thoughts, you're obsessed with you and you're depressed. And that's not a joke. That's half of our world. If all you're doing is thinking about you, 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 should I post a selfie, should I not post a selfie, should I post a selfie, should I, how can I post a selfie and make it not be about me? I mean, if it's that type of life, you're obsessed with you. If you ain't thought about a selfie in the last month, the next time you looked at your social media, you're like, dang, I ain't even posted anything in two months. You're pretty humble. You didn't even think about it. Now, John the Baptist isn't thinking about himself. John Baptist isn't even on his radar. Let me show you. We don't have anything. Listen. We don't have anything in the Bible 
where you could say John the Baptist was a good guy. We don't have any stories of him talking about carrying out boxes out of the hospital for ladies. We don't have any stories of him coaching ball teams and being, man, he's a nice guy. We don't have anything like that on John the Baptist. The only thing we know about John the Baptist that he did that was good was that he baptized Jesus, and he didn't want to. Jesus made him. We don't have any good works on John the Baptist. I could make the case today that the brightest burning and shining lamp didn't even do good works. All he did was talk about Jesus everywhere, and it got him killed real quick because he finally spoke up to a man who was sleeping with somebody he shouldn't and said, you shouldn't be doing that. And it got him killed. Jesus said, that guy's a burning and shining lamp. Why? He's all about Jesus, number one. He's not about himself. Turn back to John chapter 1, and let me just show you a few things real quick. Verse 20. When John the Baptist came on, everybody's asking, who is this guy? Verse 19, who are you? He confessed. He did not deny it, but he confessed, I am not the Christ, he knew that it wasn't about him. Y'all, life's about one person. It's about God. I've told y'all that so many times. Life's about God. I told my basketball teams this week, life's not about wins and losses. I don't care if we win or lose. It's not about wins or losses. You know what's defined by wins and losses? Championships and trophies. If you want championships and trophies, you better learn to win. You know what's not? Life. You can lose every game you play and still be good at life. Life's about God. Life is about God. John the Baptist knew this. Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? You know what? The Bible says he was a cousin of Jesus. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. That is extremely puzzling, hard to process. He got saved before he was born. He was born again before he was born. That's crazy to think about. That's hard to process. But you know what? He knew with all of that, I'm not one not me not me verse 20 i am not the christ look over verse 22 so they said to him so they said to him who are you we need you to give us an answer to those that sent us what do you say about yourself i'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness make straight the way of the lord as the prophet isaiah said he didn't say i mean i'm just trying to be a good guy around here don't be mad at me I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament telling y'all, y'all better get ready. You need a Savior just like I need a Savior, just like they need a Savior, just like they. We need a Savior from our sins, y'all. Life is about God. We should be worshiping God. We should be consumed with the glory of God. And we're not. We need a Savior. And I'm here to tell you he's coming. That's what John the Baptist was saying. Look at verse 27. Sorry, verse 26. John answered them. I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you do not know. Listen to this statement, verse 27. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Y'all, John was so not focused on himself that he was able to say, I'm not worthy. In our world today, we're so focused on ourselves that if you or somebody else said to you that you're not worthy, you would flip out. Most people flip out these days. Act like that would ruin your life. Somebody calling you not worthy. 
We've got so much of a complex, so much self-issues, so much self-esteem issues. We're looking at ourselves so much that we can't handle it if somebody says the smallest, littlest thing about us. John the Baptist beat everybody else to the punch. He said, go ahead and call me unworthy. I'll say it before you say it. I'm not worthy. You know why John was so certain about his lack of worth? Because he was consumed with the worth of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. These are the songs that you sing in heaven. See, there's a big challenge in church today. Because we tend to sing a lot of songs that are talking about the way we feel and the way we think, right? And I think Joe does a good job of picking songs that are about God, like that last one that said, God, you're the one, you're the only, and you are holy, right? You read the book of Revelation, which talks a lot about all the songs that they sing in heaven. None of them are about us. We're not even in those songs. All the songs in heaven are about Jesus. Jesus, you're holy. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you died. Jesus, you ransomed. Jesus, you purchased. They're just all like that. And that's why we're pretty sure that many of the people that think they're going to heaven aren't going to heaven. Because they're not burning and shining lamps consumed with Jesus. They are mirror-focused, self-centered people that want God to be a part of them. John the Baptist wasn't. And Jesus said he's a burning and shining lamp. He didn't think about himself. He was okay with saying, I'm not worthy. Listen to me, folks. Not to depress you because it's not going to depress you. I promise you that. What's going to depress you is being thinking about yourself too much. You know what will set you free? Remind yourself each morning while you're brushing your teeth that you're just not worthy. I'm serious. Remind yourself that you're not worthy. But then remind yourself that God is. And the one who is worthy loves you more than you'll ever realize. I'm always kind of shaking my head at these people who are trying to say, I'm trying to love myself more. I'm trying to love myself. I'm trying to understand my self-worth, right? There's memes for days on all of our social media that say those type of things. The person that says that now will say it again next January 1. The person that says it now will say it next breakup, right? I'm just trying to love me now and find my self-worth, y'all. That doesn't work. The cycle is ridiculous of how much we go from not worthy to not worthy to depressed to not worthy, but we're always telling ourselves that we're worthy. Can we learn from John the Baptist today that he was not focused on himself? He was okay with saying that he's not worthy. His identity was as strong as can be. He was secure as he needed to be. You know why? Because the one who is worthy loves him. And if your identity is in God, you're not worried about your identity. If your identity is in Christ, knowing that he loves you and that he gave himself for you and you've been forgiven of all your sins, you're not worried about yourself. I had a conversation with somebody just the other day and I said, look, all we can do is strive to walk in integrity and do our best. And the Bible teaches that your integrity will guard you. Who you are is who you are. People may know you and say, hey, this is who I am. And when you do that, guess what happens? You still mess up. Don't get me wrong. We mess up all the time. And every time you mess up, you say, that's my fault. I should not have acted that way. I should not have spoken that way. I should not have reacted that way. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? I'm ashamed that I did that. And you know what that is? That's integrity. Integrity is not that you never mess up. Integrity is that you don't mess up, but when you do mess up, you admit that you messed up. Y'all, that is integrity. You know what? That's beautiful. 
you know what? We're all flawed. The people with integrity are the ones who say, I'm not worthy. But God is, and he loves me. So it's not going to be about me. The first thing you notice about John the Baptist that makes him a burning and shining lamp is that he wasn't focused on himself. He says, I'm not worthy. Well, what was he focused on? Clearly, Jesus. Not Christianity, not church, Jesus. I mean, an all-out obsession with Jesus. He was a lover of God. Let me show you some passages. Verse 8, still at John chapter 1, says he was not the light, but look what it says next. He came, or but came, to bear witness about the light. He wanted to be defined by pointing to the light. So did he? Well, let's see. Verse 23, they ask him, he says, Make straight the way of the Lord. So he's saying, y'all need to look for the Lord. Y'all need to be looking out for the Lord. You need to be ready for the Lord. But look over now to verse 29. This is an awesome passage and a passage that you need to know. While they are there having that conversation, while the Jews and the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem are there saying to him, who are you? Or they're saying to you, well, we need to tell somebody because all he kept saying was who he wasn't. They kept saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And he says, I'm not worthy. I'm here to baptize, but there's somebody else going to baptize you in a better way. You get to verse 29, and it says, the next day. So It's telling you there seems to be more people still there with John the Baptist. It is the next day, but there's still people there around John the Baptist. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward Now, don't know this for sure, but it seems this is the first time he's seeing Jesus. Don't know this for sure, but it seems that this is the first time that he's seeing Jesus. And let me remind you, he's not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Let me remind you that John the Baptist's whole purpose was to be a light for the light was to be the light in the world for the light of the world, was to be a burning and shining lamb that shines into the darkness, about the light that shines into the darkness. This is what John the Baptist's whole purpose was. And so can you imagine, it's kind of like at a wedding. When we stand right here, me and the groom, he hadn't seen his bride all day. He's never seen her in that dress. And those doors open up, and here she comes. And the congregation stands up and the music's going. It's like the moment of all moments. Usually the the groom says to me something like, man, I think I might cry. And I'll say, hey, you're going to be crying. I'm going to be crying too. We're going to be crying right there because it's such an awesome scene as that bride starts coming down to meet her groom and for this man to take her for his away from the husband, from the father, such an awesome scene. John the Baptist came to bear witness about the light. And as he's here standing, answering questions, fielding questions, who are you, are you, who are you, are you, who are you, are you, all of that sort of stuff, baptizing people, discussing all that, here comes Jesus. 
And I said, I'm not sure if he had seen Jesus, not real sure about that, but this is for sure the first time that Jesus came on the scene in the Bible. We got one story of him as, as, a, as a 12-year-old, and that's it. This is Jesus coming on the scene for the first time, verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold, so it's like he's so amped up, he's pumped. This is my whole existence, he says. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In one short sentence, John the Baptist has spoken doctrine theology, Bible, truth, God, everything. He has preached the gospel in one short sentence. Guys, look over there. Don't look at me. Look over there, he says. That guy is the Lamb of God. You know what lamb means. In the religious conversation, the lamb means the thing that's going to be killed so that you can get its blood, so that you can ask God, because of that blood, to forgive you of your sins. And if you did it any time with a, with a real lamb or a real, lamb, a real animal, according to the Old Testament sacrifice, it was not really going to forgive you of your sins. It was a way that you were trying to demonstrate to God that you believed God. It never really worked with the Old Testament animals. It's supposed to be a picture to this lamb of God. And when Jesus walks up, John the Baptist says, y'all, there! the Lamb of God. And how much can he take away sins? The sins of the whole world. What a sermon. If you don't know John chapter 1 verse 29, underline it, highlight it, do whatever you got to do. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But look what he says next. I'm telling y'all he's consumed with Jesus. Look what he says next. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. John understood. This guy, Jesus, is coming after me. You saw me first, and now you're going to see him. But he ranks before me because he was before me. He is God. He is God's son. He is the Savior of the world. John the Baptist was so in awe of Jesus. He was all about Jesus. He goes on later to say, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. I'm not worthy to mess with his dirty feet. John the Baptist was about Jesus. Now, many of y'all remember in John chapter 3, I showed you last week, turn there, John chapter 3. At verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But look over to verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, after that, you look here at verse 22, it comes back now to John the Baptist. Look at verse 30. I'm telling you that two characteristics of John the Baptist. He was not focused on himself, and he was clearly focused on Jesus. Look at verse 30. And if you don't know this verse either, you need to know this one. John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. I hit it hard on the worthy talk. You could do the same thing here. The secret to John the Baptist's brightness, the secret to his burning, the secret to his shining, 
The secret to receiving so many compliments, if you're a compliment seeker. You ever heard of fishing for compliments? John's secret to it, listen to me, was decreasing. Y'all, this is Christianity. His secret was decreasing. More of Jesus, less of me. He must become greater. I must become lesser. He must increase. I must decrease. Good works are in the conversation when we talk about light because Jesus did say, let your good works shine among others or, or let your light shine so much that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus did say that in Matthew 5, 16. But those good works are only shining bright what's in the context of Jesus is Lord. The life that I live is being empowered by the light. Y'all, life's about Jesus. John the Baptist shows us that by not being about himself and being all about Jesus. You ever seen those maps or actually like a photo that they take from space of like, all of the U.S. or all of the world, and it's dark, and you can see which ones are really lit up. You've seen those before, right? And it's always fascinating to see that New York City is just so bright. There's so many lights in New York City, and you look at that, and you can see that over, over in, like in Hong Kong, there's a lot of lights, and you look at certain parts of the world, and there's lights, and in L.A., there's a lot of light, and in Vegas, you can see a little bit of light, and you, you know what I'm talking about, right? These photos from outer space of the world, and you see where there's the most light. Spiritually speaking, knowing that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't deal with it because the light is the source, Jesus. Do you have the light? If we could have one of those photos of our congregation, of our town, there be light there? Not goodness. Light. Burning and shining light. Do you love Jesus? Did he die for your sins? And you believe it so much that you can't get enough of him? He's the source. And just like John the Baptist was all about Jesus, Therefore, he was a light in Fairdale, Kentucky. When we're all about Jesus, we will be a light. May God make our homes, our schools, our community brighter. He will do that through Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today and you're not committed to him, believe in him now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for John the Baptist. Thank you for how he was so simple. He was so simple. Father, help us to get that right. That decreasing is where it's found. That admitting our lack of worth is where it's found. We are so worthy because we're so loved by the one who is worthy. God, help us with that. God, help us to embrace the source, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.